All right. Good stuff there now. Just got my blood pumping. I wanted to sing with them. They didn't ask me. <laughs> I think I could tell on Philip's face when I walked up there. He was a little bit <laughs> apprehensive. All right. So we're beginning 2 Samuel chapter 22 today. And uh, in about six more months, we will finish our study with David. <laughs> I'm not going to get very far today. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. Songs are really emotional. They reveal the heart. Some sociologists say that you can listen to the radio and you can discover what's going on in the world by the songs that people sing. When there's a crisis, people write songs about it. When there's some upheaval, people write songs about it. When there's a war, people write songs about it. And it says here in chapter 22 that David spoke to the Lord words of song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And so what we're about to go through here the next several weeks is a look into the heart of David. And by looking at this song, I think that if you have questions, why in the world would God call David a man after his own heart? After all the weaknesses in David, all the problems in David, all the challenges he faced and the failures that he uh, committed, how in the world could he be a man after God's own heart? I think that his song here at the end of his time helps us to discover why he was indeed precious to God and why God said, this is a man for my, this generation. He is a man after my heart. I sat down this week and said, you know, I, I, I'm going to think about my favorite top 10 songs and why. And so I've written them down for you today to kind of get you in the mindset of learning from this. And what I'd like for you to do is come prepared next Sunday with your top 10 songs, 10 songs that mean a lot to you. So here are mine. Now, this is going to change, I know, through time, and it probably hasn't always been my favorite songs, but... When I wrote down this week, I gave it some thought, and here are my favorite songs today. Number 10 is The Last Resort by the Eagles. Now, the reason why that's so is, now, I know Don Henley and Glenn Fly, they didn't understand what they were writing. I get that. And I know that perhaps their meaning is different than the meaning I have for it. They are not interested in the things of Christ, but yet they have such a spiritual uh, dimension in their songs that they're coming from one angle, but they speak a lot of truth. And the last resort, I believe, is a song that says that we are to be mission-hearted, mission people, and we need to be focused on what matters most, and that's not changing culture of people, but changing hearts. And so that's why I like The Last Resort. Not one of their biggest hits. Not one they made lots of money off of, I'm sure. But if you'll go home and listen to the words of that song, you'll probably have to listen to it four or five times to realize why it means so much to me. Number nine is Old Man by Neil Young. I like that song. Old Man, Take a Look at My Life. 
I'm a lot like you were. And I, I think about the people that have impacted my life, the people that have added things, that have taken away things, that have worked off some rough edges, and people that have mattered to me, an old man, and the importance of time, the importance of making the most of the time that you have. Number eight is seven Spanish angels, and I like Willie and Ray Charles' version. Marty Robbins did a great job, but I just like Willie, and I like Ray Charles. And it's a story about spiritual dynamics, spiritual possibilities. And, and I, I know that, that I'm always applying a spiritual thing or trying to look for the spiritual realities and things that are going by. Some people hear that and go, how in the world did you get that out of that? Well, go home and listen to it. Number seven, said, that I think speaks to my adventuresome spirit. And I, I do know that I have an adventuresome spirit. I don't like plans. I don't like details. I, don't, I just like going. I just like going out to the airport and going. I just like getting the car and come up to a stop sign. I, I've told Susan over and over, my favorite vacation is when we had to be somewhere at a certain time and we came up to a stop sign and it was my turn. I said right or left. When it was her turn, she said right or left. We had more fun on that trip. And I, I just love the adventuresome spirit of Poncho and Lefty by Willie and Merle. Number six, we just sang it. Will the circle be unbroken and I'll fly away for obvious reasons. I do want all my family to be in heaven with me and I am looking forward to heaven. Number five, Simple Man by, Mer by Leonard Skinnerd. I love Simple Man. So my mother told me when I was a child, always be simple. And man, I... I've had more than a handful of people say, you're just not complicated. Now, other people have said, boy, you really are complicated. But I think that's because I baffle them with being simple. I love simple things. A fire, a chair, a song. It revives my spirit to be simple, to approach things in a simple way. You know, not complicated, not full of yourself, not uppity, not just simple, just simple. Number four, The Heart of the Matter by Don Henley. Oh man, that's a good one. It's about lost love, but he speaks about forgiveness. He speaks about grace. He, and there's a line in there that just captures my spirit. And that line says, don't let relationships get away from you. Man, we, we have a lot of that going on in our land today. Number three, He Stopped Loving Her Today by George Jones. Probably the saddest song ever written. George sings it sad. I mean, they're going to carry him away. They put a reef upon his door. He kept letters that she wrote by his bed, dated 1962. He underlined and read every single I love you. Now, when I hear that song, it says, go in there and tell Susan you love her. When I hear about this man's lost love, it, 
it motivates me not to end up like that old boy and to love those in your life. So I love that song for the opposite reasons. And you've noticed that I like a lot of music because of opposite reasons and the writer wrote it about. Number two, take it easy. I loved standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. I stood there probably for two hours. I kept on looking for that redhead and that flatbed Ford to come by. And I stood there and went, man, so much of my life, I listened to the Eagles. And it was a real spiritual experience for me. Standing on that corner in Winslow, Arizona, such a fine sight to see. There's a girl, my Lord, in a flat big Ford coming down to take a look at me. Take it easy. Not about the girl so much, but take it easy. And then number one, the greatest song of all time, by the Eagles, of course, and it is... Nah, Hotel California. <laughs> it's going to surprise everyone here. Take it to the limit. The greatest song of all time. Better than anything Elvis Presley ever sang. Better than anything Ray, uh, uh, Roy Acuff ever sang. It's the best song of all time. Because it's talking about let love be your highest goal. Love, love, love. And so songs mean a lot to us. And so if you'll embrace this song of David, it will enrich your spiritual walk. Now, David takes inventory of all he has experienced God to be. The result of taking inventory of all he experienced God to be led him to worship. And when you begin to take an inventory of what God is to you, what he means to you, what he's done in your life, you will worship. David was a poet, a songwriter, so he does what comes natural to him. And it was the best way for him to reveal his heart and I can see him pulling those words out of his heart and putting them down on paper and going, yes, that's it. That's how I feel about God. That's what I've experienced God to be in my life. And what we see here is that David had a personal relationship with God. Verse 2, he said, the Lord is my rock. That means rest. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. That means protection. And my deliverer. He recognized that God had delivered him from all his enemies, from all his problems, from all his obstacles. He says, my God, just as simple as he could. It just came out and it says, God is my God, my rock. That that points us to an experience of salvation. Jesus is the rock. He is the big rock. He's the rock upon which the church is built. He's the rock upon which salvation came into the world. The rock is stable. The rock is steady. The, the rock, it, rock holds us in place. And he says, in whom I take refuge. And so he took refuge in his salvation, in his God, because he had a personal relationship with him. He said, my shield, another aspect of protection, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. 
You notice in verses 10 and 3, 10 times in these two verses, David uses the personal pronouns, my and me. So he's saying to us here, God is not distant. God is not an idea. God is not a concept to me. God is not a morality to me. God is not a theory to me. God is not a a system of, of understandings to me. I have a personal relationship with God. He wasn't, he wasn't walking in and focusing on what other people had talked to him about God. He wasn't following other people's experience. He wasn't following a set of rules and guidelines. He had a personal walk with God. That's what David understood. And that's the very first part of the song. And that's what we see. So we have to ask ourselves this morning, what about you? What about your walk with God? What about your understanding of God? Is it personal? Is it a personal relationship? Is it distant? It is based on what other people have taught you. Is it based on uh, other people's experiences or is it based on your experience? This is a huge, huge, important idea that you have a personal relationship with God. Look at these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says that people can claim, proclaim, confess, acknowledge that God is God and not enter the kingdom of heaven. Lord, Lord, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, many people get stuck at that verse and think, oh my, Jesus is speaking about perfection. How in the world will I be able to handle that? But he goes on to explain what his understanding is of following the will of the Father. And he says in verse 22, On that day, that's judgment day, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? So Jesus is saying... These people that call him Lord, Lord, that acknowledge him, they have, they have an understanding of God. They're even religious. They are practicing religious things. But yet, we see here in that next verse, and then I will declare to them, listen to what Jesus says, I never knew you. I never knew knew you. I know that Donald Trump is the president of the United States. I've read some of his tweeters. I have listened to him speak. I I know some things he believes. I know some of his mannerisms. I recognize him when I see him, but I do not have a personal relationship with Donald Trump. Someone would say to me, Lee, do you know Donald Trump? In, in the understanding that people have, do you know Donald Trump? My mindset goes to he's the president, he, he tweets, 
He, he doesn't care what people think. He says the wrong things at the wrong time, more times than he probably should. And he's got a model wife, and he's got a son that you never hear from. He's got grown kids. I think he's been married. This is on his third wife, I understand. That's all I know about Donald Trump. But we would equate that. Says, you know, well, sure, I know Donald Trump. You do? Yeah, he's the president. I said, no, 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 no. Do you know him? Well, of course I don't. Why? Because I've never met him. I've never met Donald Trump. So I don't know Donald Trump. I don't really know what Donald Trump thinks about. I don't really know what matters to him. I don't really know what he's up to. We don't know that about any politicians. When they stand up there in their debates and their campaigns and their ad advertisements, they say this, oh, I like this. They say that, oh, I like that. Oh, I can't stand him. I can't. We don't know those people. We have no idea what they're really like. It is impossible for us to go and sit in the man's you know, kitchen and sit down with him and say, hey, Don. Sit down here for a minute. Let's get to know each other. Well, we don't have that opportunity. And so we elect people we really don't know. Do you know that people do the same thing with God? Are you a believer? I'm a believer. What do you know about God? Well, I think, there's, I think that he created everything. I think that there's the Ten Commandments. And, and I, there's something about a cross. Not quite sure what all that's about. That person says, Lord, Lord, does mighty things in, in the name of the Lord. However, the problem is, Jesus says, they don't know me. I don't know them. There's not a personal relationship with them. David was a man after God's own heart, first of all, because he was a great repenter and God loves that. Second of all, he had a deep personal walk with God. Do you? What are you trusting in? What are you counting on? Are you counting on religious activities? Are you counting on going to church? Are you counting on uh, knowing a few things about God? We know that God is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We know He has a book. He has an Old Testament book. He has a New Testament book. We put it together. That's what we have. And so we know that God's people go to church on Sundays. We know that they read these words. And, and you can know all that stuff. You can, you can look on the outside like you have a personal relationship with him. But the truth of the matter is, when it really boils down to only you know if you really know him. Only you know that you know that you know that you know. And it's between you and God. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Assurance. You see, knowing the Lord means that we have assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. We have assurance of things hoped for. We're just not hoping against hope. We know what we're hoping in, and we are absolutely assured of what we're hoping in. We believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and we believe that. We believe it to the point that it's personal with us. We have been impacted by it. We have been changed by it. What Jesus did for us on the cross has changed our lives. 
It's not just having information about him. It's just not knowing facts about him. It's just not knowing that he lived 2,000 years ago. And people say that he died on the cross and he rose again. And we celebrate that on Easter. It's that you have risen from your death. You have become spiritually alive. And you are hoping in assurances that you are absolutely assured of. You know it. You just know it. You know it. We wake up in the morning and you just know it. You hear his voice. Jesus says, my people will hear my voice. My sheep know me and they hear my voice. They hear it in his word, in his very words. They hear it through prayer. They hear it through the body of Christ. They hear it through their circumstances. They know God. They hear God. They experience God. It's personal to them. It's just not a set of rules out there that they're walking in. It's just not what we do. It's who we are. And the Hebrew writer says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And then he says, the conviction of things not seen. Conviction. A deep-rooted conviction that the claims of our Father are true. It's a conviction. We know deep down in our heart that Jesus is the Lord of all at the right hand of the Father, sustaining life, giving life, completing the task of salvation for us. So the question we have to ask is, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Or are you just holding on to what others had taught you? Or you're holding on to some concepts, some ideals, and they have not penetrated your life. They have not penetrated your life. You know they haven't penetrated your life when sin is no big deal to you. You know they haven't penetrated your life when you are not moved by the things he's moved by. You know that you are not penetrated by him when you are satisfied when the things of this world have to offer. And there's not a craving deep inside of you to have more than what the world offers. Do you know Him personally? Or sadly, will you be in the long list of people that Jesus will say on that day, on the judgment day, that Jesus will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Wait a minute. I went to church. I never knew you. But I was a good person. I never knew you. But I was baptized. Jesus says, but I never knew you. You were a good person. You were a religious person. You did all the things that religious people say you should do. But there's one thing missing. You are not personal to me. We do not have a relationship. David said, my God, my deliverer, my rock. David had a personal relationship with God. That may be your description today as one of the many who are religious, but don't have a relationship with God. We want to give you an opportunity today to settle things. 
If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you need to follow through. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you as our guys come to sing for us, they're going to sing, and we're going to give you an invitation, an opportunity for you to leave this place no longer being religious, no longer being a goer, but you are who God desires you to be. You enter into a personal relationship with Him. So it's just like we're saying, here is Jesus. Will you meet Him? Will you embrace Him? Will the faith that the Holy Spirit is generating in your heart this very moment, will you unleash that faith and surrender to that faith? And will you trust Jesus as your personal God, Savior, forgiver, provider of life? Many will say to me on that day, Jesus said, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in Your name. We did mighty works in Your name. We're the guys You could count on. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew You. Years ago, I had a series of dreams that were I would call them nightmares. And the dream would go like this. I'd be in line. And I'd be going for my judgment. And I'm standing there in line and people that have attended services would walk by and they would say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me there was more? Why didn't you tell just coming was enough? Why didn't you tell me? Well, it, it was horrific for me because then it was too late. And so the truth is, we have no guarantees of tomorrow. Today might be your only opportunity to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If that happens on that judgment day and you come walking out, you say, why you tell me? I told you. I told you the best I could. I laid it out there for you. I told you, David had a personal walk with God. And if you don't have a personal walk with God, you are not entering the kingdom of God. Those are not my words. They're not my understanding. Those are the words of Jesus. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's stand. The guys are going to sing for us. You sing with them. And if you would like to come and embrace Jesus, come and let me help you. Come to know Him and walk with Him.